God's word was still being revealed to the people of God. And the gift of prophecy was still in effect at that particular time. We here on this side of the new covenant, we have been given a deposit of truth that was collected during that first church. And it's called the scriptures, the holy word of God. And it is complete. The canon, if you will, is closed. So while I do not believe that Paul is speaking about preaching in this passage, I do believe that there is a type of extension or overlap into preaching. That there is an extension or overlap into preaching. That prophecy and preaching are not identical, but they are related. If you're taking notes, that's important. They, They are not identical, but they are related. We'll talk about that this morning. Some have read this passage and concluded that prophecy is preaching. They are not one in the same, but they are connected. Now, because of this connection, we can apply Paul's test of examining preaching. Uh, the same way that we examine prophecy, we can examine preaching. And after examination, we are called to hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every kind of evil. In order to do so, I do believe it's important for us to ask some questions and with God's help to answer those questions that sometimes we take for granted. Questions like, what is preaching and why do we do it? Now, many of us have been in church, have been attending church for many, many, many years. And I, I wonder if we are able to answer from the Bible, which I'll talk about in a moment, what preaching is and why we preach. I wonder if you have ever considered that question. What is preaching? Or we have, have we just taken it for granted? We preach, that's just what we do. How about this? What is a sermon? Where do we get the word sermon from? Or what is a sermon? How would you define it? If one person asked you, what is a sermon or preaching? You will not be able to find one single verse in the Bible that succinctly or fully defines what preaching is. Or what a sermon is. If someone says, what's a sermon? Oh, turn to this book and this chapter. And it says exactly what a sermon is. You won't find it there. Rather, this question or the answer to the question is being drawn from a variety of passages. Different passages in scripture. Which is usually, often, how we come to an understanding of doctrine. Uh, I said to the class this morning... The way that we find out the answer to a question in the scriptures is always somewhere and everywhere. Somewhere you might find one particular answer from a verse. But usually it's everywhere. And you have to take what you've learned from all of the scriptures to come up with the right answer. One theologian said concerning a sermon, frequently common ideas of preaching are more fiction than reality, more culture than Christianity, and more opinion than truth. 
That's very helpful, I think. Dear saints, ask yourselves, where have I developed my understanding of what a sermon is and what it's supposed to be? Where have I learned that from? Has my understanding come from a tradition? Has my understanding come from my own preference? Has my understanding come from my own study of the scriptures? Here's what I know the Bible says. What is good preaching? What's a good sermon? We'll address this more next week. But it's most important for us to ask these questions. Is the sermon the most important part of our gathering? Is, is it the, the moment of our gathering? Are we to be a people who care nothing about the sermon? Or nothing about the other means of grace as long as I get to the sermon? Hopefully we'll be able to answer these questions this week and next week with God's help. Today, with God's help, we shall consider the what of preaching so that we might beware to not despise it. The what of preaching. Let us begin. Number one, I have five points for you this morning. Number one, the prophetic office of Christ continues in the church. I'll say that again. The prophetic office of Christ continues in the church. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 20 Do not despise prophetic utterances. The prophetic office of Christ continues in the church. The Apostle Peter says, when you read the Old Testament prophets, they are searching diligently, inquiring into what the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating about the future sufferings and glories of the Messiah. Brothers and sisters, uh, who spoke through the prophets of the Old Testament. Who spoke through them? You will know the answer is the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. Why? The prophets even looked down at their own writings, those things that had been revealed to them, and they attested, this is from God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ gave us the Old Testament as a deposit of truth, which foretold the sufferings and subsequent glories of Christ to come. The Old Testament is the word of Christ. Those of you who are thinking about the Old Testament, my wife and I were having worship together the other night, and I was explaining to her how the Old Testament is a messianic document. It is pointing us toward Messiah. Now, what about the New Testament? Who spoke through the apostles? And the apostolic men, that's a phrase you may have never heard before. Apostolic men is an old phrase that refers to men like Luke and Mark, who are not one of the 12 apostles. Who spoke through the apostles and the apostolic men? Well, you will know the answer is, it is the same God, the Holy Spirit. The same God, the Holy Spirit, who spoke out the Old Testament, spoke out the New Testament. The Spirit of Christ breathed out The Old and New Testament. How can we say that? He is the word of God made flesh. He is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he speaks to us through his word. Now, listen closely. This is important. Jesus Christ is the prophet of all prophets. He is the prophet of the last days. And the word of God is his word To his people. Are you following along? That means that. As the word of Christ continues to be read. 
spread, proclaimed, then the voice of Christ and the word of Christ continues to be heard and continues to advance. This is God's word. It's the word of Christ. Christ is our prophet. He is the final prophet. Not Muhammad, Christ. And if Christ is the final prophet and Christ has inspired both the Old Testament and the New Testament, when we read God's word, when we preach God's word, then Christ speaks to his people. Therefore, the prophetic office of Christ continues. The prophetic office of Christ continues when the written word of Christ, Christ by his spirit, through his word, is spoken, preached, and read. And through this, there is a continuing accomplishment of salvation and sanctification in the church. Brothers and sisters, this is the continuation of Christ's prophetic office, his word. So we can say, yes, in a certain sense, we are continuationists. We believe that prophecy continues in the word of Christ. So, dear ones, you can say to your uh, beloved brothers and sisters, and maybe even to unbelievers, you can say to them and say to them rightly, Christ spoke to me last night. And when they say, do tell, what did he say? You can say to them, turn to this particular chapter and turn to this particular verse. Here is what God says in his word. And you can accurately say, God spoke to me last night. Some of you like that right now. Some of you feel liberated because you've been saying God spoke to me all your life. And now you can actually say it and get away with it. Christ speaks to us. Where? In his word. Christ still speaks to us. Still speaks to us. Where? In his word. Has Christ spoken to you lately? Have you opened up your word lately so that Christ can speak to you? This is not Sarah Young, Jesus is calling type of Christ speaking to you. You've seen those books. If you have any of them, throw them away. That's the devil speaking. That's not Christ calling. That's the devil calling. Christ calls you from his word. Christ calls you from his word and it's an infallible word. Therefore, when you open it and read it, you can say, I know this is true. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to guess. I don't have to say, I'm not sure if he was really speaking. I think he was speaking. He might have been speaking. You can open up his word and say, this is a reliable, undeniable, unquestionable word from Christ found in his inerrant and infallible word. Christ continues to speak to his people. Praise be to God. Brothers and sisters, we have Christ who by his spirit and through his word speaks to his people. We, the people of Christ, have been given also the new covenant promise of the Holy Spirit so that we, when we read the word of Christ, we will believe it, we'll understand it, And not only believe it and understand it, evidence that you believe it, evidence that you understand it, is that you obey it. This is the, there is a concord between speaker and hearer and the Holy Spirit links them together as Christ speaks to his people. Now we have discussed the extraordinary gifts of prophecy ceasing. But the prophetic office of Christ continues as Christ speaks his word to his people here in his word. Let's go to uh, number two. Preaching is the continuation of the apostles teaching. First Thessalonians 520 
do not despise prophetic utterances. Dear saints, what is a sermon? What is the purpose of a sermon? What's a good sermon? In Acts 2.42, one that, uh, verse that you are all probably feel very familiar with, we are given this great sermon from the Apostle Peter. The Holy Spirit moves upon the hearts of the people and they come to repent, believe, and as they are baptized as a public declaration of their faith, the Bible says that they begin to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They come to faith in Christ. They repent of their sins. They are baptized. They join the church. And then they dedicate themselves or devote themselves continuously, the Bible says, to the teachings of the apostles. Where did the apostles learn what they had learned? Where did they learn what they were teaching? They learned it from Christ, who says, go into all the world, baptize, teach them all the things that you have been taught. But they were also being led by God, the Holy Spirit. They not only devoted themselves to the to the doctrine of, of the apostles, but to the fellowship. That's the church to the breaking of bread. That's communion and to prayer. These elements are used to establish the basic elements or tenets of worship, which we call the regulative principle of worship. They devoted themselves to the church to the teaching doctrines of the apostles, to the Lord's Supper, and to pray. They were already baptized. As believers today, what are we to devote ourselves to? Why are we here? When we come, what draws us? What are we to persevere in? What are we to believe and obey? Well, just like the church of yesterday, the church today is to devote ourselves continually to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the church, to the breaking of bread, to communion, to prayer. The doctrine, the system of beliefs, those things that we confess to be orthodox. That's what doctrine is. It's those things that we confess to be orthodox. It's the core to the faith. It is those things that we are to hold fast to. Listen to this. Devote ourselves to and to do so continuously. Now, this requires diligent study on the part of faithful men. This also requires faithful study and listening on the part of faithful hearers. You, the church. Together, we are to passionately hold fast to these truths. To teach them continuously. When you come for worship on the Lord's Day, you should be hearing doctrine taught from the Word of God. Doctrine that is orthodox. Doctrine that has been passed on from the apostles who received it from Christ, God the Holy Spirit. You should be coming and and, and rejoicing because we together are praying. You should be coming and rejoicing because we are taking of the Lord's Supper as has been commissioned by Christ. You should be coming because people are being baptized And those who have been baptized are remembering their baptism. This is doctrine. It's what we do continuously. Well, what about plays and skits? Are they sinful and wrong? They're not sinful and wrong, but are we to devote devote themselves to? Are we to devote ourselves to them? 
No. Therefore, if a church is not doing skits, if there are no dramas, we cannot say and should not say, well, I'm not going to that church. It's not required of us. Uh, what if the church doesn't have small groups? And we go, oh, well, I, I really do like small groups. I wish we had cell groups. I wish there was a youth group. We're not required to do those things. We're required to teach. Now, are those things sinful and wrong? No, they are not. But do you leave a church or call a church not a church if those things are not present? No. We devote ourselves, listen to this, to doctrine. That's a scary word for some people. Uh, I recently heard a video clip, I was telling this to Brother Anthony, of a man who is becoming more and more dangerous because of his emphasis, listen to this, on experience. He is longing for an experience. He's praying to God for an experience. And in his emphasizing of experience, he is de-emphasizing doctrine. You know him, or at least you might have heard his name before. His name is Francis Chan. In his recent video, he is sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon. I don't know why anybody would do that. Overlooking the vast crevice that has been created by the flood. And he is doing so in order to create an image of awe. So that we might, when we look at that video, we say, wow. I would like to experience that. And as he's sitting there talking about, or as he's sitting there on the, the edge of the Grand Canyon, he's talking about and saying things like, I wish we could just go back. And if you've seen Francis, I wish we could just go back to God, just you and your word. And God, I want to. And then he starts to say a number of things that he would like to experience that have been done in the Bible. Things that he would like to experience again or relive again that have been lived in the Bible. What he's searching for is extraordinary, supernatural experiences. And in doing so, in seeking an experience, we are devaluing those things that God has promised to bless every time we gather for worship. And saying, I want to, ex I just want to feel you. We are then elevating feeling over those things that are, that are objectively true. Subjective truths are hard to come by. This is why that the, the charismatic church is having, it has such a hard time because you've got to recreate the feeling every single time. No, we emphasize doctrine. Fellowship, those things that God has promised to bless, and we come to them in faith. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul tells the church that they have been given a teaching. Hang on to it. Stand firm in it. And he identifies two ways that they were taught and two ways that they are to hold on. Let's see if you can catch it. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Did I say first or second? Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 15. He says, whether by word or by mouth, that is spoken word or preaching or by letter from us. This is the way that the apostles have taught the church. The apostles dedicated a time to teach the church in a manner of speaking discourse. 
in formal, which is what I'm doing this morning, formal public teaching when the church was present. This was one way the church was taught. Now, if the church was not present, the other way that the apostles taught the church was through authoritative letters. Authoritative letters. He says, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us, here's how you were taught. The apostles, therefore, taught by way of, listen, preaching and writing. Into the question, why do we call what we're doing this morning a sermon? Now, I'm going to get a little technical. Follow along. Uh, I'm going to say something very quickly, too. Many years ago, Sister Doreen knows exactly what I'm talking about. Many years ago, there was a man in our church who said to, to me, you cannot say to this church, you should not say to this church uh, words that are too difficult for them. Because most of them don't have a high school education. I was offended by that. I said to him, I didn't know that you needed a high school education to understand what the Spirit of God says of the church. No, you only need the Spirit of God. So we are called to elevate you, to encourage you, but also to build you up so that you might grow in your understanding, which is what you're going to do now. We're talking about sermon. This word that Paul uses, either by word of mouth or spoken word, is translated logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos, L-O-G-O-S, which means discourse about God, discourse about God. You would know that word also as theology. When you come on the Lord's Day, you are learning theology. What about unbelievers? They'll hear the gospel. The church gathers with the saints. We do evangelism on a Saturday and then invite the the unbelievers to come to be believers. But this morning we're teaching believers. If you are an unbeliever, turn to Christ, repent, believe. If you are a believer, though, we are praying that you are being sanctified further by your word. Now, let me not not get off on on tangent. Logos is a Greek word. It was translated into Latin. And when that word logos came about, it was translated as sermonum. That sound familiar? Sermonum is where you can hear we get the word sermon from. Paul says we spoke to you by logos or sermonum. We spoke to you by sermon or by epistolos letter. Epistle is where we get the word. If we are to devote ourselves, Acts 2.42, or preserve, persevere in the doctrine of the apostles, then we are going to have to stay faithful to the teachings that are provided through the active sermons of the word that we get from the writings of the apostles, Christ and the prophets. Sermons should therefore spring forth from the word of God. And nowhere else. If I, uh, and, and I'll talk about that in a moment, if I just came up this morning and paced back and forth and started to tell you things that were on my mind, that's not a sermon. That's a motivational speaker. The sermon should come from the apostles' doctrine, from the word of God. And we are to proclaim it this morning. Therefore, this spoken word, or this sermon, or this preaching, is the continuation of 
the apostles' teaching. We continue in the apostles' doctrine. We are devoted to what they have taught. As the apostles authoritatively taught the church the word of Christ, so also preaching, which I'm doing this morning, I pray hopefully faithfully, or speaking the God's word, formally teaching, continues in what Christ taught his apostles and what the apostles taught the church and what faithful men carry on until Christ returns. One of the problems that the church faces is that we have this theological vocabulary and many times we don't know where it's come from. So we attribute more of a cultural and traditional meaning to these words than what they actually have. If someone were to ask you again, what is a sermon? I just gave you a definition. A sermon is a continuation of what Christ taught his apostles and what the apostles have taught the church. And that carries on through faithful men. If I were to ask you before that definition what a sermon is, many of us would have a variety of different answers to that question. Many of us might come up with questions or answers that we've formed through the church that we've grown up in. That's a sermon. That's preaching. Many of us might come up with ideas from churches that we've attended or even personal preferences that we've developed. A sermon is a form of public speaking that is authoritative for the church because its authority comes from Christ and the apostles that he has given to the church. Therefore, we must be careful not to insert external meanings, things that that we want to put into what we think these things are, into the definition of what a sermon is or any part of our worship. Uh, We'll discuss this again more next week, but we must not despise preaching just because someone is not as gifted in their presentation or rhetoric as others. Is the apostle's word, is the word of Christ being preached, then no matter if it is spoken like this, or spoken like this, you must believe it and obey it. Now, this is very important. The scriptures will tell you, and this might shock you, Paul was very unimpressive as a public speaker. We might say, wow, to be in the Apostle Paul's church, that would have been powerful. Yes, it would have been. His doctrine would have been great. But his presentation might have put you to sleep. The scriptures say it was his writings that that awed the church. But when he comes, he's very unimpressive, they say. We must be careful. Not to be moved by a presentation. Look around. Even the even false teachers have huge crowds of people that are in awe of their ability to speak. Of their ability to communicate rhetoric. That's what, that's what the, the, the phrase of it, rhetoric. Is this God's word? Is the man who is preaching it holding fast to the teachings of Christ, to the prophets, to the apostles? If he is, then you must believe it and you must obey it. That goes for everything. Where are we getting our definitions? From our own preferences or from God's word? That goes for everything. What a pastor is and what a pastor is not. Who's defining it? You or God's word. What a church is. 
or is not. Who's defining it? You or God's word. What worship is or is not. Who's defining it? Where have you developed your understanding? From God's word or from your own experience or own preferences? I tell you what, if it's from your own experience, throw it out the window. It must be from God's word. Now then, what are we to teach or preach? What should the sermon deliver to the people of God? Number three. Preaching is the authoritative declaration of the law and gospel. What should we preach? Well, we should preach the authoritative message or declaration of the law and the gospel. First Thessalonians 5, 22 again or 20. Do not despise prophetic utterances. Preach. What should we be preaching? I've heard people who uh, have listened to people who have said absolutely nothing. But the way they presented it, people said, he was preaching. What was he saying? I don't know, my dad used to say, but it was good. We sometimes fill that also with our own experience. I'm going to spare you the Greek on this one. Preach is to herald. That is to proclaim. What should we herald authoritatively? What should we authoritatively declare? What's the message? We, we, we now know what the message is or what the definition of preach or sermon is. What does it contain? What is the object verb of preaching? Listen to when the word preach is used in the Bible Here's the things that are connected to it. Listen to this. The gospel. Christ crucified. Him we preach. That is Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ we preach. And Christ. The primary object of preaching is Christ. It's the gospel. Christ crucified. Preachers are not to preach themselves. They are to preach the gospel. Preachers are not to preach their own agenda. They are to preach Christ. Preachers are not to preach their own opinions. They are to preach the gospel. In other instances, the same word is used when Paul says, you who preach do not steal. Do you steal? You can also preach do not steal, which is the law. It is possible to assert or to teach the law with authority. Here's what God says. To herald what ought to be done and herald what ought not to be done. Another word for preach is proclaim. It's authoritatively. Well, what do we proclaim? Here's another one. When the word proclaim is used, the verb, the action that is connected to it is this. We proclaim the resurrection from the dead. We proclaim the word of God. We proclaim the word of the Lord, forgiveness of sins, the way of salvation, Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ, Him crucified, Him, the unknown God, light and the gospel. When we preach, when we proclaim, these are the things that we are to preach and to proclaim. The church authoritatively proclaims the gospel and the law. This proclamation was what Paul was accused of. This man proclaims customs, a religious way of life. And he is said to be doing so authoritatively. Therefore, when we think of preaching, 
one of the foundational ways in which we ought to think of it should be Jesus Christ is continuing to speak to the world through his heralds, through his proclamators who preach and proclaim an authoritative message of the law and the gospel. You see, the the, uh, presidential candidates, when their election times are drawing near, who goes out on their behalf? Heralds. They go out on their behalf in support of the one whom they are calling the world to follow as leader. They're saying, this man will give us this, or woman, This one man or woman will give us this. This man or woman will lower this and raise this and correct that. They are an ambassador, a proclaimer, a herald on behalf of another. So it is with I and Pastor Isaiah and all those who stand faithfully this morning to proclaim who Christ is. The heralds say Jesus is the Christ who died and who rose from the dead. Believe in Him and serve Him. The Holy Spirit accompanies this message and convicts sinners, breaks their hearts that they have broken God's law. And the Spirit draws these people to repentance and faith. Brothers and sisters, let's move on to our fourth point. Preaching is an authoritative instruction that leads believers to maturity. We are not just preaching the law and the gospel, but we are also instructing that leads toward maturity. It's more than just declaring the gospel, which we do. A a good sermon should have a mix of all of these things. The gospel is involved. It's not just evangelistic, and it is evangelistic. We believe the gospel, that it is good for our souls. Brother Anthony said it this morning. We should never tire of hearing the gospel. We should never tire of hearing the law. Yes, we are believers. But as I've said in sermons past, we should be saying in our hearts, say it again, pastor. Say it again. Is Christ still risen? Is Christ still on the throne? Is Christ still at the right hand of the Father? Say it again. But that's not all we preach. Preaching leads the church toward maturity. We have been given a deposit of truth. That has been entrusted to faithful men and we are authorized to teach it. The sermon, the authoritative spoken word is not just a law on the gospel, but it instructs and teaches the church in the mysteries of faith and in the practice of faith. You are learning deep things and you are also learning practical things. You are learning theological things that should turn into doxological things. What are we to do when we teach the church? Or what are we to teach? Well, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Well, what do we do? Just the gospel? Reprove, rebuke, exhort the word of God with complete patience and teaching. We are to reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and teaching. You, you know what it means to preach. It's to herald, to declare an authoritative word. Not the written word, but the spoken word, the message, the message of Christianity. But Paul here 
talking about the New Testament at this time, uh, because the New Testament, or not talking about the New Testament at this time because it hasn't been formed yet, but he's speaking about the apostolic message. Timothy, he's saying, preach that Jesus is the Christ, that he died, that he rose, that he ascended, that he is at the right hand of the Father. Preach this, Timothy, that he's coming to judge the world, the living and the dead. Teach the church how to conduct themselves while we wait for the return of Christ. Preach that message. And as you do, reprove. Show things that are false to be false. Rebuke. Tell people that sin is sin. Exhort. Call them to the way that they ought to go. And do so with complete patience. Preach that message. Authoritatively instruct the church to the fullness of what Christianity is. Over the past 14 weeks or or 14 sermons, we have been discussing encouragements while we wait. This is the, the pastoral portion. Here's how we live as we wait for the return of Christ. The church is to be given the fullness of truth, the whole counsel of God. And this is built into the qualification of elders. We are to teach the church. Titus 1.9 says he, the preacher, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. This trustworthy word has been passed on, but it must be passed on to men who are able, men who are gifted and men who are faithful to teach the word. It has been it must be taught in a specific way. And the person who is teaching it must hold fast to it and not deviate from it. And the person who is hearing it must hold fast to it and not deviate from it. We are to deliver this message and not change it. You are to receive this message and obey it. You should hope that the minister who stands before you and whoever else the church calls into the ministry... That they have a firm grasp on the message of the apostles that was given to them by Christ. You don't want to just call anybody up here. Yeah, Joe Lowe from walking across the street. He can come up here and preach. Some pastors want to make it seem uh, like that's a good idea. Everybody gets, everybody gets to preach. Here a preacher, there a preacher, everywhere a preacher, preacher. We have too many churches in this city too many people that should not be preaching too many people who do not hold fast to the apostles doctrine their church should be closed they should sit down and learn the doctrine of the apostles we are to give instruction and sound instruction it is to build up the church to rebuke anyone who contradicts what has been passed down and is orthodox So that the the church is not torn down, but built up. First Timothy three, two says an overseer must be able to teach. He must be a didactic or a diadac. That is a doctor. Now, not that we have to have a a degree in in doctrine, doctrinal degree. But we should be steeped in theology. We should know sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to all and able to teach. Ministers are to give instruction and sound doctrine. When Timothy is told, preach the word, 
It's not just an evangelistic message. It's an instruction and sound doctrine that leads the church to maturity. This church, I can testify. I said to Providence Church, and my son was there with me when that happened. Our church is in the best time of its existence in the 12 years that we have been a church. He said, why? I said, because as far as I can see, there's no fighting anymore. The, 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 the dissenters have all left. The ones who have remained are growing in Christ. They are maturing. Praise be to God for that. Do you know that that is not just taken us saying, uh, I'll buy you some cookies if you be nice to each other. I'll buy, I'll buy an extra pizza. Saints, that has been Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Preaching God's word unwavering, of unwaveringly, whatever, without, without ceasing. And those who are hearing it are holding fast to it and growing because of it. It's not diverting from what God's word has says. It's rebuking, it's exhorting, it's correcting, and it's remaining faithful to God's word in spite of who likes it or doesn't like it. It's God's word. We preach the gospel. We proclaim the cross. We teach the church. Preaching and teaching. Is there a difference? Some may say, well, he's more of a preacher and he's more of a teacher. We made up those differences. There is no difference. Preaching, teaching are one and the same. Uh, one of the brothers recently showed me a video of a preacher. And as soon as, excuse the volume for just a second. As soon as he got onto the microphone, he goes, Okay. We're going to turn to God's word. Amen. <laughs> well, he thinks he's preaching because he's loud. Now, I'm just loud because that's just my habit. I'm sorry. But there are people who can speak like this and go through the entire sermon. And you would say, oh, he's teaching. And then people like me who are fast and loud. And go, he's preaching. It's the same thing. We're doing the same thing. One is not more of a preacher. One is not more of a teacher. Preaching and teaching are one and the same. Romans 2, you who teach others, do you teach yourself? Colossians 1.18, him who proclaim. To proclaim is to warn and teach. To present all mature in Christ. Preaching is evangelistic and instructional. Let me go through a number of verses really quick. We can write them down. 1 Timothy 4.11, command and teach these things. 1 Timothy 6.2, teach and urge these things. Titus 2.1, but as far as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Uh, Titus 2.15, declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Preaching and teaching. Grow up in the faith. Why would Paul command Titus, don't let anyone disregard you? It's not because of Titus, not because Titus was someone special. It's because Titus was teaching the word of Christ. And if anyone disregards Titus, they are disregarding Christ. This morning, as I'm teaching God's word, you might not like me. I don't care. I'm preaching God's word. That's what you should be concerned with. You might say, I like him a lot. That doesn't bother me either. I'm teaching the word of Christ. That's what you hold fast to. Is this God's word? Then you are obligated to believe it and obey it. It's the deposit of faith that has been handed down to us. The Lord has called certain men. They have been authorized to teach the dignity of this office, the calling of this office. You're not despising the one in the office. You're despising the one who called the person to the office. The Lord Jesus Christ. Is that man faithful? 
then believe it and obey it. Preaching is authoritative instruction for the church. The minister, gifted by the Holy Spirit, from our ascended Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, called by the church. The church calls the minister. The church recognizes the call that Christ has on the minister. The church amends it, calls them to that office. Yes, Christ has called you. And we proclaim the law and the gospel. We proclaim that which helps you to be sanctified and grow in maturity. So, again, what is our conception and our idea of preaching? Where is it coming from? We consider the verbs used to describe preaching, the objects of those verbs. What else is this man called to do? Teach sound doctrine. Teach that which accords with what Christianity is to be lived out like. Number five and finally. The faithful preaching of the word of God is the voice of Christ to his people. The faithful preaching of the word of God is the voice of Christ to his people. Because the written word is the word of Christ. Writings which the Spirit of Christ has produced for the people of Christ. Therefore, those who faithfully preach, proclaim, and teach the word declare the voice of Christ to the people of Christ by the power of the Spirit of Christ. Now, that was a lot. I get it. But when we faithfully preach God's word, Christ's voice is being heard and declared to his people. Now, let me make a qualification. The preacher is not Christ. I am no pope. I am no vicar. I am a sheep among sheep. I am a servant of Christ who has been called with a great responsibility to proclaim this truth. But I am no one. Christ is all in all. That's why we preach Christ and not ourselves. The minister is a steward of Christ, a herald of Christ. But our authority does not go beyond the word of Christ. I can't tell Anthony not to wear purple pants anymore to church. I'm going beyond my authority now. I can't tell uh, those of you who have a red car, you must, by my authority, buy a black car. Uh, I can't tell uh, uh, Javier, you need to shave that beard. It's beyond my authority. It looks great on him, by the way. The only authority that I have goes this far. What has Christ said? Now, are there wisdom judgments? Yeah, I wouldn't wear purple pants. That's just my own perspective, though. I prefer blue pants. Those are wisdom calls, though. They're not the word of Christ calls. Uh, those of you who know or should know, Anthony is a dear friend of mine, so he's the only one that I think I can mess with without uh, offending for the rest of his life. My dear friend. We have ministerial authority. We do not have magisterial authority. Meaning this, the minister is a minister, not a lawgiver magistrate. I'm not the president. I'm not a governor. I'm a minister. Because he is one who faithfully delivers what he has received, I am to teach the word and nothing else. We can subject preaching then to the same test as prophecy. When the word goes forth, we can examine it. Is it good? Receive it. Is it bad? Well, some parts. Anthony would probably want to exert some parts out. Remove it. The parts that are good, keep it. The parts that are bad, and we pray that there would be 100% good 
and no percent bad, but we are fallible men. You should know that about your pastors. We are not perfect men. We err. We make mistakes. But prayerfully, they're very minute. Prayerfully, they're very small. Especially when we're here. Especially when we're behind this desk preaching God's word. We pray that our mistakes would be zero to none. We are called to preach the authority or to teach with authority and let no one despise us. And at the same time, we we are called to call you to examine the word. This morning, as you're hearing God's word, I hope that you're taking notes. We'll talk about that next week. But you should be taking notes so that you can examine what's being said this morning. Do not take for granted that everything that has been said this morning is absolutely true. Go examine it. See if these things that have been said are so. What are you hearing this morning? You're hearing a herald. And as you're hearing this herald proclaim, you are to examine the things that are being said. And here's what you ask. Is this God's word? Can you dispute it? I invite you to try. If you cannot, then don't despise it. Believe it and obey it and rejoice that has been given to you. That God has not withheld from you in this church truth. But that he's been that he's given it to you. So don't despise it. Rejoice in it. What if I don't like what you said? It doesn't matter. Is it God's word? Yes. Then obey it. Believe it. What if I don't like the way you dressed this morning? It doesn't matter. Is it God's word? Yes. Then believe it and obey it. The, the litmus test is not. Do I like the person speaking? And do I like the way he's saying it? That's not the litmus test. The, the litmus test is, is this God's word? If it is, believe it and obey it. That's the test. Examine it. Believe it and obey it if it's true. Both the minister and the members. We are under the authority of God's word. You and I. The same word that you must obey, I must obey. The prophet has no authority except what has been given to him. So also the minister has no authority except what Christ has said. When we listen to preaching, we must have this mindset. Here it is. Not when will he get done. Not 45 minutes or less. Not, hey, the NBA playoffs, game seven. The litmus test or the, the, the mindset must be this. I will humbly believe all that the Lord teaches and obey all that the Lord commands. We were to have that mindset, that attitude of Samuel who says, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. We must listen to the sermon. Looking for the teachings and commands of Christ in his word. Both the minister and the member are bound by the same authority. He is obligated to teach what Christ has taught. And the members must believe and obey all that Christ has said. It's not the things that we like that we must retain. Oh, I like that part. I'm going to write that down. It's all God's word. It's all God's word. I love when we have conversations afterwards that, and each of you have different things that stood out to you. That's wonderful. That's not wrong. It's when we say, I'm not going to listen to any of this except for the stuff that I like. That is what's wrong. When we come to God's word, is it God's word? Believe it and obey it. When we listen to sermons, When we listen to sermons, we are required to believe all that Christ obeys. 
And that's where our authority comes from. Now, as you're sitting there this morning, you don't sit as skeptics. Not as critics, not as lawyers, but as sons and daughters who are hearing from their father in his word. We know what Christ has commanded. Not because of feeling. Oh, I, I, when I get the tingling feeling, that's what, that's the spirit moving. It's all God's word. Not by a rhetoric. Man, he moved me this morning. Did I? I hope it wasn't me. There's a, a, a ritual that I do every Lord's Day. And in that ritual, the thing that I always say is help them not to hear me, see me, or, or, or be about me. But believe, or believe me, but hear, believe you, and see you. Again, unfaithful ministers can move you with rhetoric and false teaching. But we must examine God's word. Don't be moved by styles. Don't say too meek, too quiet, too loud. Is he faithful to God's word? That's what matters. There's a high standard for the ministry. And there should be. We must seek out faithful men who know God's word. Who can understand the mysteries of faith. Who are gifted to teach the word of God. They and only they should take this high and holy task. And we don't want anyone just coming up here again and preaching. Not everyone is going to be a pastor, but God makes his appeal through us when the gospel is preached. Therefore, we need faithful men here. Paul says that God makes his appeal through us. God speaks through the faithful preaching and proclamation of, proclamation of his word. Which is to say that when the Lord Jesus speaks, he speaks through this faithful proclamation of the word. Uh, Romans 10, you don't need to turn there, but... There's this phrase, this this uh, statement that Paul makes. How will we hear unless someone is sent? And how will they uh, hear the word of Christ? Essentially, if Christ is, is, is not sending his, his ministers. Essentially, if an unbeliever is to hear Christ, then there must be someone that Christ sends so that they can hear Christ. The person who Christ is sending is speaking on behalf of Christ. Therefore, Christ is speaking. How will they call upon him? How will they hear him without someone preaching? We need faithful ministers. The one whom they call is the one whom they believe, is the one whom they hear, is the one whom they preach. Jesus Christ is the one preached, heard, believed, and the one that we call upon. Those who come to faith in Christ hear the voice of Christ and respond, not to me, to Christ. You don't believe Antonio this morning. You don't believe Isaiah this morning. You don't believe Spurgeon or Piper or whoever your favorite is. We believe Christ. Which is why you should never make a celebrity out of any pastor. We are all brothers in Christ. I know that we have our favorites. Listen. Just praise God for faithful men. That's it. You can praise God for the way people communicate. That's fine. But don't make celebrities out of them. But let me say something to you also. And I appreciate some of the ways that you are, are, are so, so kind and generous to myself and Pastor Isaiah. I and Pastor Isaiah were not the best pastors in the world. 
We're not even the best pastors in this city. Because there's no such thing. There's just faithful men and unfaithful men. We want to be in the category of faithful men. That's it. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And we seek to be faithful to that word. So, in conclusion, a sermon faithfully exposits the word of God to the people of God. And when so, when it is done so, it is the word of God. I pray this sermon was the word of God. Uh, we have searched the scriptures to discover what public teaching looks like in the church and how we develop doctrine from preaching. We do not develop doctrine from our experience, from conferences, from TV, or even our own preferences. Those are all subjective. It must spring forth from God's word. Again, we are under, all of us, God's word. Minister and member are to build one another up in the faith. We are together under the authority of Christ. Whatever is true and good, hold fast to that. Believe it and obey it because we are under the authority of Christ. Let's pray.